previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. I said, I've been watching this movie Rocket Man in and out with Elton John. And just, you know, you always hear that people write these songs in 10 minutes and then, you know, you see Elton John and Bernie Taupin hands him the lyrics and he sits down at the piano. It can't be like that, right? It can't be like that. And he said, no, it is just like that. <laughs> he said, I know Elton well. I've seen Elton receive the lyrics. Elton sits down at the piano and it is as if he is reading the sheet music. That's how quickly he puts the melody down. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. God knows it's not like me to complain. It's just not what I do, right? I don't, Michael, I, I'm not a complainer. How was your weekend? Yeah, it is. The weather here is so miserable. It, the last five, six, eight weekends, whatever it is, the weekends in January and February, so miserable. Not snow, thankfully, but rain so that there is no lawn. Finn and the guys from Pineapple Landscaping have to come resod everything. And it's not just the dog. It's just that everywhere you step, it's a sponge. And you sink down into your own yard, and then the mud comes up. And if you do have a dog, the dog churns up the mud. It's actually disgusting. And I look forward. Michael, you, we think there might be a, like about a four or five-day stretch where there would not be rain. Yeah, might dry things out. I think there's going to be some rain maybe in a week or so, but I think you're now through the weather that you've been describing. March is supposed to be well over average. It'll dry out. But I show up today, and Chessie looked like she'd been rolling in mud. Yeah, hair she's slicked out, back. Disgusting. And you don't really attempt to dry her or wash her off. Now she's sitting on the beautiful sofa behind me. Well, you know, it used to be beautiful, <laughs> and now it's filled window, with mud. Or as, or as they say in The Odd Couple, now it's garbage. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> I got a uh, I got a really nice email. Um, it's news you can use from Robert Boaster a, a little while ago, about a week ago, and it gave the 2020 to 2021 Eastern United States seasonal snowfall totals as of 5 p.m. February 21st. That's a week ago. 5 p.m. February 21st. You know what city in America had the most snow? <laughs> Binghamton, New York. Binghamton had 90.4 inches. Oof. At that point, now, how much in February, that, that one snowstorm that well, that was forty in the roof. That was forty. Okay, they normally get fifty nine point six inches, so they're way over. Caribou, Maine, was second. Worcester, Mass, was third. Buffalo was fourth. Buffalo and Rochester and Syracuse. Buffalo and Rochester get seventy five inches a year. Syracuse gets ninety six inches a year of snow. Gets oh. more snow than anywhere every single year. And they were 30 inches behind Binghamton. Binghamton, number one with a bullet. I just thought I'd share that with people. Share something else as well. Our friend Pat Forty, now with Sports Illustrated, his daughter Brooke, the swimmer at Stanford. Nigel told me that she was named the Pac-12 Scholar Athlete of the Year. How great is that? That's just And the only better thing would be if she made the Olympic team and there was an Olympics. The television commercials indicate that there will be an Olympics, but those are television commercials because the Olympics is a television show, and you don't know. But isn't that great? Yeah, that kind of scholastic recognition must make her dad so proud. I mean, there's nothing better, you know, if you're going to be an academic All-American. You know, I mean, that's even better than being an All-American, an academic All-American, as far as I'm concerned. So good for her. Congratulations to the entire Forty family. And now let me get to something. And I, I, I don't know if I'm alone in this. I might be alone in this. 
I watch the Golden Globes every year, usually because it's incredibly sarcastic compared to other awards. It rips the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which is like 90 rumdums who've been here, you know, <laughs> eaten for free uh, for 30 years. You know, it's not, it's, it's, it's not a large organization. It's not a large Democratic vote. It's nothing like that. It's a dinner in which actors and actresses get drunk, and the host, especially if it's Ricky Gervais, rips people. I, I think that was where Ricky Gervais said, you know, I drink as much as the next guy unless the next guy's Mel Gibson. <laughs> you know, I, I just <laughs> kill him. Ricky Gervais, the funniest guy in the world. Then followed by Sasha Baron Cohen. And if they gave it to him, that would be funny too. They had Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, very funny. Go, consistently funny. The show was unwatchable last night for a variety of reasons. First of all, the opening monologue was a split screen like me and Wilbon do, except it wasn't nearly as good as what me and Wilbon do. It, it wasn't because they insisted on these stupid shots from the back view. Be, in other words, point of view, Amy Poehler, point of view, Tina Fey, talking to eight people at solitary tables who weren't even actors and actresses who were masked, they were, you know, they were hospital workers. God bless them for going to the show, but nobody, it, it looked so small, not even small and intimate, it looked small and bad. And then they gave out awards, and I left after the first award when I realized I hadn't heard of the actor, I hadn't heard of the movie. I mean, I... But it was the best acceptance speech after the technical glitches. There was a technical glitch. The technical glitch that he wasn't even on. He wasn't even on for the first speech he made, and I didn't know who he he was. Maybe you've heard of some of the television shows, but maybe not because they're not on regular television. They're on Netflix or Apple or something like that, which is which is a different kind of service that you pay for. Maybe maybe Damian Lillard picked the winners from the Hulu. I don't know because I didn't stay. I didn't stay because I realized when they when they name all the movies that they get to to award the first guy the best supporting actor role in a movie, I've never heard of the movies of any of them because this year there were no movies, not in theaters where I'm used to going to movies. I am of that age where the movie experience for me pretty much works like this. I read about a movie that is coming out. I read the review of the movie. If I want to go see the movie, I go to a theater. I don't watch it on television for some protracted period of time while it is still doing box office in the theater. That's my life at my age. I understand if you're in your 20s and 30s or 40s, your life is different. I understand. But that's my life, and I can only explain my own life for doing this show. So if they release these movies on some sort of video service, and I don't have the service... I've never heard of the movies. There's nothing compelling to get me to go to watch the movie in my own house. I don't really like to do that. I like to watch movies in my own house that I haven't seen that, I've, that have been out for a year or two and I've heard about or that I've seen that I like a lot and then I just stay with them for a long period of time. But when you award the best picture of the year to Nomadland, I don't know what that is. I've never heard of Nomadland. I've no idea what it's about or, or anything to do with it. Um... You know, Billy Joel had a song, Who Remembers How It All Began, out here in no man's land. So when you say nomad land, I think Billy Joel's doing the music. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. All these other movies that are nominated, and Nigel, you pay more attention than I. These other movies that are nominated, you may have heard of them. You haven't seen any of them, right? The show no. failed for me. Utter failure what? for me. When I look at the best motion picture drama, yeah, Nomadland, The Father, Mank, 
promising young women woman I've heard about. I've heard Charlie, of them. Yeah, Charlie Chicago Seven. But no, I've not. I've not seen any of these. Uh, it's just it's so weird. Well, nobody's that, seen them. Not yeah. even the Hollywood Press Association has seen them. Nobody's <laughs> right. seen them. You know, so they're giving out awards, and it was it just it didn't nothing. It didn't even look like an award show. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, because people who were getting awards were sitting in there in their day. Right. And, and some of that was was by design in terms yeah. of the the two coast host. You were. It felt like they were taking a very safe approach, given all the criticism that the committee has received just about representation and and inclusion. And in terms of the actual way they opened, it felt like trying to acknowledge that without actually saying it just by the types of awards that they were putting up first where they said look at us look at the diversity that we're putting on your zoom call in front of you and actually i love that opening speech where he goes he ends it with a glass of champagne going can't believe i'm on a zoo with bill murray oh, and, that, that's, and that's sort of what you wish you could get if you actually were in the room together i love the awkward moments where everyone had their significant other and not every significant other was necessarily aware as when they were on camera oh, okay and you're trying to see are they going to did break? anybody have their pants off you know, <laughs> Ooh, I, I'd love to, yeah, oh, I'd love to look into that. You know, but no. About so how much did in, you watch? You watched. I watched more than you, but an hour in, when they went to Keenan Thompson and Maya Rudolph, two people that I funny. grew up loving funny. and funny, and they do a very safe SNL, almost SNL primetime bit about like awkward songs or original song in a in a TV show. But it comes down to it. I don't know what the awards are actually for. What like the distinction between TV, <laughs> movie, how you're throwing comedies with m- musical and dramedies in here. So, I, and in terms of having the, it was it was only healthcare workers that they had in the audience. Well, it didn't look to be any actors or actresses. And one of the reasons you tune into these shows is to see the faces of the actors to and actresses. To see the people interact in between the tables. Yes, the get drunk. camera moments. Brad Pitt, doesn't he always get drunk? So Isn't they, that what they said at the beginning? He's always drunk? Yeah, so they've been Good. doing this for every, it seems like every award show, every sporting event. Like we saw this with the Super Bowl, with the surprise didn't have the big I'm vaccinated stick. Terrible. Uh, but no, I just, at that point, if you're going to go completely digital, it's okay to just say, our hearts are with our healthcare supporters. We we don't need to try and create that visual in the audience. It looked it it looked so absurd. It looked sort of like a setup, a parody of a scene in Goodfellas where they put the table down front and they sit down at the table down front as the Ronettes are singing. Oh right, it's, yeah. it's just yeah. because it's just solitary people at small little tables with small little lights and they're wearing masks and they're not actors and actresses. And Amy Poehler and Tina Fey are playing to them. Look, you don't have to be a comedian to understand that if you are trying to be funny and you got an audience, that audience needs to laugh. It's hard to know if they're laughing behind their masks and they're not even actors and actresses. I don't know. You You didn't even stay long enough to see Aaron Sorkin's speech? Oh, God, no. Did he win? Yeah, because yes. he wins. Nice, right? he, he's the best he, writer. Yes. Yeah, he won a, the, a best screenplay. Yes, for Charlie. Well, no Visual. kidding. He's so he's in this expansive <laughs> long shot in his living room, surrounded by I'm I'm guessing family, family or but, people he he hired to look yeah. like family. But I just want yeah. more information as the breakdown as to where he staged each individual in terms of their relative importance to him. Of course, he was at the front center, but I was I was sort of hoping he's Aaron speech, he'd get up and have that camera just walk along with him to the kitchen to open up the fridge. Did he make? This is important to know. I know his speech would be great. Did he allow others to have equally great speeches in that little group next to him? Did he write their speeches as well? <laughs> well, he never really wrote for female characters. Wasn't that always the criticism? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anyway. Okay, I, I, don't, I, I don't really know what else to say. I, I, I don't want you to think that I'm upset 
or I'm unhappy because I will tell you that on Saturday afternoon at about three o'clock, I had the most, most wonderful experience. I went and hit balls for 20 minutes. It was just so wonderful. I had, I was outside. There was a break in the terrible, terrible weather. It was actually a small blue sky for a small amount of time. And I went out with three clubs, a pitching wedge, six iron and a rescue and banged them off the soaking wet mats and it just couldn't have been nicer. I was really, really happy for that. But Compared to our weekend where Walker refused to leave the house because we made the mistake of giving him his Lightning McQueen cars PJs, which he now <laughs> expects to wear every single night. Well, he likes them. Yes. Well, you can, you can, he can wear them every single night. Just wash we them. We want the kid to get outside. Oh, he doesn't want to leave the oh, house? no. Oh, well, that's the problem with parenting that I no longer have. I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> All right, so what we're going to do now is we're going to take a break. Uh, Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. He's uh, back at one of his homes, the one in Maryland, and he will join us and we will chat. Um, And uh, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. I'm going to read the solo stove ad now, but very important to this, and I hope that our emailer, Bill Garner of North Potomac, Maryland, doesn't get angry that he's not in the main show. But he writes an email The title is Solo Stove, and he writes simply this. I bought one, lit it a little while ago for a little outdoor get-together. Awesome. Thanks for the $10, TK. So he used the code, and that is critical. One more. I get this from Jim Hughes at the end of last week. I'm listening to today's pod. This is from Friday, next to the Solo Stove. After 18 at C3 with my son, good day. That's So it's wonderful. Whether you're camping in the woods or at a backyard get-together, there's nothing like a roaring fire to bring you back to what matters. The things, digital distractions, and the frenzy of everyday life make too easy to forget. Warmth, brilliance, connection. Those fireside moments ground you in what it means to be a human. That's great. It's just great writing. They want me to tell my solo stove story. I don't have one. I don't have a Not solo yet, stove. But if we make it to the low country, then the we're go- the month, I'm going to see no, it. Absolutely. We are going to light the stove and stare at the moon. Well, that would make me. I hope it's a full moon. It won't be a full moon. It'll be close to I hope it's a masculine child. That'd be very wonderful. (laughs) Solo Stove creates story-worthy moments. Fireside fumes not included. Stainless steel construction designed to regulate airflow and burn more efficiently. So little smoke, you'll wonder how there's so much fire. And usually where there's smoke, there's fire. I could go into, uh, you know, the Bruce Springsteen song that the Pointer Sisters did, if anybody wants that, later on. No campfire smell on your clothes and hair and nothing left but ultra-fine ash for easy cleanup. It's easy to light with a few bits of starter. Your fire is blazing in minutes. Take your solo stove with you on the road, as Michael did to South Carolina, or set it up on your rooftop or backyard. And Solo Stove is so confident in their products, they give you a lifetime warranty for every purchase. Is Jim Hughes using the solo stove that you brought down there? No, no. He had, he has he his already own. had his own okay. using the code. Okay, that's So this great. is waiting for us that's great. right on the Okatee River. And here's the code, people. No one needs a reason to gather around the fire. Solo Stove just took away any reason not to, and you can get $10 off, just like Bill Garner did, when he used the promo code TONYK at checkout. Just go to solostove.com, and remember, you get $10 off when you use the promo code TONYK. So what do we advise people? Use the code. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This comes from Brett Wiscons, who has done a lot of work that we've been able to play. And he writes, hope all is well. I wanted to share my new single with you. It's called When You Can't Breathe. I'm not going to give a preamble about it. I'll let the song speak for itself. I was moved by what happened to George Floyd last year, and I wrote these lyrics and gave them to my producer and collaborator, Tom Doherty, 
who wrote the music and the melody. The song will be available everywhere in digital format this Wednesday, but I'd love to give you the exclusive premiere. Thank you. Thank you for all you do for independent musicians. When You Can't Breathe, a song with politics at the root of it, and you can listen to it at the end of this podcast without me talking over it. Michael Wilbon joins us now, and, and I'm sure there are things that we will talk about on television today on PTI, and we may not even talk about what I'm going to mention at all. We may not, because it is niche programming. But it was so nice to see so many golfers dressed in red shirts and black pants, which Tiger has done forever on a Sunday. I don't know when he started it. I don't know if it was when he entered the tour, but it was certainly early on. Red and black on Sunday, the winning colors in the history of golf. What did you think when you saw that? I was, I was moved by it, um, especially certain people. I mean, you knew Rory was going to do it. You know, he's a Nike guy, and he and Tiger are very close. And I figured Finau would do it, and Patrick Reed Nike does it guy. anyway. He does it Patrick anyway. Patrick Reed does it anyway. And so, yeah. But when there were, there were other people that, um, you know, did it or observed Tiger and it tried to pay respects in another way, uh, Billy Horschel had TW on his cap. Yes, he hand, he did and, that in uh, hand hand stenciling. Yes, yes, yes. That was that was I thought really cool. And how about Phil Mickelson? Yes, not not the greatest you know, of pals in the world, but yes. Well, but they become that. And yep. And Annika Sorenstam yes. in the women's tournament, which wasn't even televised, which really pissed me off. But yeah, yeah. How about his old, his first caddy, Fluff yeah. Cowan? Had it. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it was it was just it was moving. It was moving. And I was a golf wonk yesterday. I, I you know, I didn't I didn't get roused here until like eleven and it, it was already on the golf channel. And then of course the coverage moved to NBC later in the day. Um but yeah, yeah, it was just uh moving and it, you know, look, there's no secret as to to what Tiger means to the sport, um, to, to sport, period, but to that sport. And the people who, their purses, I mean, all you got to do is go, just go back. Just go back. Look at, look at the size of uh, the prize money purses going back to, to, to 1997. And look at all the other sports. And everybody's had some reason to jump. But golf, man. I mean, it's just um, it's just amazing, and it's directly attributable to Eldrick Woods. Nobody else, nothing else, just Tiger. Um, so, so I, you know, go ahead. They miss them, and they and they should have done. Not they should have worn. That was I don't want to say extreme. It was just it was it was it was respectful. The um, winner of the tournament was Colin Morikawa, who joined yeah. Tiger as the two youngest people ever to have won multiple times on the PGA Tour and to have won a major. Colin Marikawa, who is, um, you know, a minority player on the tour, as Tiger is a minority player on the tour. Colin Marikawa made a speech, some of which I saw this morning, in which he, and he's 21, like, you know, he's a baby. He's a kid, he's a kid, yeah. He thanked Tiger and said, you can't thank this guy enough. We're happy he's alive, and I want to thank him. Yeah, and that, that, that was, was moving. It, it was unbelievably moving. Yes. It really was. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he uh, he just looked right into the camera and said, you know, you always think you're never going to say this. I'm going to say this. And looked right into the camera and has such poise. He has yes. such a presence, Colin Mark. I, I root for him, specifically him. Oh, he won and, that tournament. I mean, he didn't need him back in. He won the tournament, and I believe if there was any one shot he won it on, it was a par save on 11, about a 12-foot putt that he put right in the heart. And after that, he was fine all the way through. Whoever came near him, he was the best golfer out there. Didn't you think he was a totally uh, yeah, deserving he, win? Listen, he, he's – but I root for him. Now, I don't mean just yesterday. I mean, I root for him. He's a, he seems like the kind of guy that I want to root for. Um, just a, 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 an uncommon decency and poise and manner that appeals to me. I, I, I love him. I haven't met him. I'm supposed to soon, but I can't wait. Oh, really? I mean, he just seems like he's he's so composed. How are you going to meet him? What's that? We don't need to get into all that today, but we can get into it it another Monday. Okay. Um, It'll, you know, something coming soon. It's, you know, not maybe not official yet, but uh, yeah, I just, I I rooted for him starting Saturday when he broke away from everybody else and had a five-shot lead for a while. And then gave some of it back. Gave some of it back on well, Saturday that, as well. That, that golf course is weird and crazy. And look, I know you love Florida golf. I, I, eh, eh, I don't know. A lot of um, water. A lot of water. Well, and they keep showing alligators. I'm like, really? I mean, yeah, yeah. You go right ahead with that. You, you have that. Have fun with that. All right. Let me go to something else. Let me go to college basketball and your conference. Um, I believe I had that Kansas would beat Baylor. I believe I said that on the show, and I was right. This is a great gift to Michigan, I think, in this regard. Not only is Michigan locked into a number one now, but I believe that they will be no worse than the the second overall choice, even if they lose in the Big Ten tournament because of Baylor's loss to Kansas, which is so much more recent than Michigan's losses. And I wonder if you agree with that. Well, does Michigan have Illinois? Like tomorrow? Oh, do they have Illinois next? Okay. All right. I think, uh, right. you know, I think, uh, you know, Tony, uh, you know, I watched, um, I, you know, I, I told you I was going to watch some more of the Iowa game. That was a nice win for Iowa to beat Ohio State. Yes. Uh, and, and local Murray product. Um, Luca Garza. Luca Garza, who, by the way, is just, Tony, he may be the biggest subject of any single player in college basketball. Because he is a great college basketball player. This is somewhat reminiscent, somewhat, of Christian Leitner in that Leitner, you know, Leitner was decorated. Leitner was, Leitner was accomplished because he won, you know, twice. And even though, he, even though you could see he wasn't going to be the player that Grant Hill was going to be, he was the guy on those teams. And Luca Garza, Tony, he was like 11 of 15 24 points, 12 rebounds, and I watch him and, 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 and sort of root for him. He's local. And then immediately, during the text chains, people start, hey, how good is this kid? Is he going to be a good pro? What's his deal with the NBA? What? It's sort of a natural thing. He's 6'11 and a half, 255 pounds. He's a moose, and he can move a little bit. He can shoot it. He has skill, yet... I started looking up last night because um, Matthew and I, we said we and Neville was here. We sit around talking about this stuff, and it said that I was looking up scouting reports 
And there were scouting reports that said he is a middle to late first-round draft pick, maybe second round. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Second round? Are you kidding me? And so I'm completely uh, obsessed with watching him play. The other kid on uh, Iowa, I mean, I, you know, there's, there's Tony. I know Michigan, you, you know, you, you, you were on Michigan early. I'm just waiting to see. I'm on Illinois as much as you're on Michigan. Uh, I want to see what happens in that game. But I don't know what the seeding is going to be. And I can't, I can't watch enough college basketball. I can watch my conference. But I can't. I'm not watching the other stuff, Tom. It, 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 it's just, it just never happens to me. I watch college basketball. I love it. But I don't, I don't know who's going to play when. There's still games canceled. I understand all that. I'm not angry at college basketball. I'm just not engaged the way I should be or want to be. It is, is today March 1st? Yes. I, 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 I'm not there. Yeah, I'm not no, there I'm, I know. the way it's played out. And so I don't watch Oklahoma State and Kansas. I'm not watching that conference. I'm not watching the Pac-12 to see who I don't know. So I, I don't have long. And, you know, I better get with the program, like, right now because it's coming. I will point out about Garza that a kid who's bigger than him, the DeMatha kid, Hunter Dickinson on Michigan, owned him. Owned him yeah, the other night. Yeah, but Hunter, he owned Hunter him, Dickinson so that's what, that's what you wonder what? about. Well, but he doesn't do he – he doesn't – Hunter Dickinson's not as skilled well, as Garza. Well, he's only, he's only a freshman. I mean, you've got to give him some time. I'm talk, well, but, you know, look, the, <laughs> the pros are populated with kids who come out as freshmen. That's right. That's right. And Garza, of course, yes, has played four years. I, I, yes, I, I, again, I'm just curious. I don't – you know, I don't know. And I have called former NBA players, particularly Big Ten guys that I love and talk to, you know, like Steve Bardo and Kendall Gill – and sometimes you, you can go through texting and they go, what do you think of this kid? We don't, like people just don't know what to think, whether it translates to the, to, to the next level. And I hope it does, obviously. But, but you know, there's, there's, there's a tournament to be played in the meantime and there'll still be another value established. How many Big Ten teams, and we, we understand Ohio State has fallen lately, but they're not going to fall out of the top 16. They're going to be a, a highly seeded team. Illinois will be highly seeded. Michigan will be highly seeded. Um, at this point, how how many how many do you think I will be highly seated overall? Will yeah. you get as many as eight? We get eight, uh, eight or we nine, get six. Really? Or, no, 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 no. Eight or nine. We get Maryland. Nine, it sounds like just from looking at. Well, yeah, I mean Maryland beat Maryland, Michigan Maryland, State. Yeah, Maryland beat Michigan State yesterday. Michigan State may not. I mean, they're, they 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 put on a little rush to get to climb back in. Maybe eight, but I you know. Um, again, Tony, the, the, this this tournament could be a bloodletting. People can beat people. I mean, could Michigan State win the Big Ten tournament? Yes, they could. Yeah, they could. Yeah. So you have that kind of situation where those teams can be motivated and a little desperate. Um, so I, yeah, I, I just think it's going to be. And I'm going to watch that. I'm just sad that I can't go to it. I mean, a couple of years ago, when there was one of these kinds of tournaments, when the Big Ten got a bunch in. I just I went. It was at United Center, and I had a seat, and I just went and sat by myself and watched game after game after game, and it was just a wow. And the conference is better now than it was a few years ago when I did that. So Lenardi has Duke as the first four out. To me, that's crazy. I can't believe Duke won't be in the tournament. You know, I believe Duke's Duke will ranking be. Ranking is so low, though. I we looked this up is yesterday. 
Yeah, we looked this up. Matt Matthew, who's a Duke fanatic, said, Dad, Duke is ranked, and he gave a ranking and a whatever he's whatever he's studying. I don't think it's Lenardi, but I, there's I'm Lenardi like, wow. and Jerry Palm. They're, you know, they're the two. Yeah, or, yeah. They're the well, two. Only, there's a lot of people now. There's, there's, you yeah. know, we, we're, we're okay. more familiar with them. They're established. <laughs> yeah. They're guys right. that we know personally on some level. Yeah, but there's there are all kinds of ranking services that tell you, you know, that project. And, you know, when he st- when Matthew finished telling me where Duke was in a couple of years, I'm like, okay, this is not as automatic as I have thought it would be. And Kentucky's a no. And Carolina's yeah. still very much a maybe, right? They got to, I mean. So, yeah, I think they're in. Yeah, I think they're in. Their, their ACC record, I think, gets them in. But I don't know. I yeah, I mean, so. how good is the ACC? Um, it's good I mean, enough. It's not what it was. It's, it's, what's, what's it's better than the Pac-12. It's certainly What's better than the Pac-12. No, they have no chance. They're no good. I mean, well, I if, if, I, all these, if these ACC teams that are traditional powers have no chance, then what does yeah. Duke's victories over them mean? So let me, let me shift gears on one thing, because you've had a couple of days, and I don't know if you've done this. I don't know if you've called people in Chicago, but often you do. I know your pals with Waddle and with Dent. What is the Russell Will? Does anybody hold to the fact that Russell Wilson might actually be with the Bears? Were they surprised that he put on his list of yes. teams he would go to the Bears? Yes. yes. What do yeah, you make of it? People are just scared to even think. you, you, you got to understand how this has gone from traditional, but you know, able to overcome the, the, the lack of a quarterback, to traditional, and I'm getting a little tired of this, to traditional, and I can't even speak about it. I'm talking about people who are in the Hall of Fame who wore their uniform, wore the jersey. And you just, you just, you can't talk about it. We, I mean, we do talk about it in an official way, but you're scared to get your hopes up. And, and there is just a distrust of the general manager that he is capable right. of doing anything competent when it concerns quarterback. So now they have this guy out there who's, who we would die to have. Who we, when is the last time we had somebody like Russell Wilson? The answer is, Jim McMahon, he won as many as Russell Wilson. And he should have gotten to another one and got hurt like two or three times, dumped on his shoulder and crazy stuff that happened and went down. That we're convinced that McMahon would have won a second one or a third one had he been able to be healthy. But now we have Russell Wilson saying this, and we have a, a general manager we don't believe in. So what happens? What would Seattle want? What would the Bears be give up? There's all kinds of the, – the speculation is, as you can imagine, Tony, it's – you know, I mean, that's it. It's a bigger story than the White Sox, and the White Sox look to have one of the five best teams in baseball in spring training now, which is on. And, you know, it surpassed everything. The Bulls, the Bulls were tied for fifth like one game ago. And, and, but this story about Russell Wilson is taking everything. And, yes, I, I'm on Chicago radio with Wallace and Sylvia every Wednesday. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. additionally – which may be the case now because you have this story hanging out there that Russell Wilson names four teams. And, and by the way, if Russell Wilson comes to Chicago and does something like lead the Bears to the Super Bowl, he, they'll build a statue to him for outside Soldier Field for one season. And you, we don't know. We don't know. There's talk about giving up Khalil Mack. With Seattle want Khalil Mack. There's talk about giving up Roquan Smith, who is – just, I mean, I think he led. The, he might have led the league in tackles last year, um, and so you, you have this thing that, that there's a desperation 
about the quarterback situation I've never seen. So, it, Tony, one thing you don't realize is Eric Ridehome and I, like, especially up through the Super Bowl, even though the Bears weren't still playing, Eric and I will look up famous games the Bears have played in our lives. So this goes back, you know, for me following the Bears 55 years, for Eric following the Bears 47, 48 years. Which we're going back over a half a century between the two of us. And we will look up famous performances, and Eric will say, okay, let's look up Bob Avellini, the game that Walter Payton ran for 275 yards and beat the Vikings 13-10, to 10, just for an example. And Eric will just start laughing because we were kids. And we'll say, okay, what do you think he was? And Avellini was 7 for 21 for 81 yards and four interceptions. Something like that. Not and as productive just, as he would have hoped. Not, <laughs> Tony, they're playoff games where we go, okay, what do you think what, what do you think Avellini was in the Bears 1975 playoff game? Where Peyton went, you know, 42 carries for a 200 yard. What do you think he was? And the numbers are such that you, you just you start laughing. You, the, the Washington football team knows nothing of anything this putrid. Most franchises don't. So that's what we have. And if Russell Wilson could just come, even if he did a drive-by, if he said, you know what, trade the whole team to me for one season, I'll come. We'd say, yeah, maybe. Maybe. So that's what you ask what that story is. Yeah, that's yeah I, what that it's a big story. story. Is. Yeah. All right, I will, uh, I'll talk to you later. I'll talk to you later. All right, talk to you later. boys and girls. Um, we will take a break. When we come back, Steve Sands will join us, and we will talk about Tiger. Uh, I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Now with the new month, we can start actually looking forward to spring. Yes. And I'm excited to announce that Sunday Lawn Care is back. They want me to talk about any home projects that Liz and I have been working on as winter draws to a close. And we've just finished some new cabinets in our walkout little garage. So try and take care of all those strollers on the ground along with open blades and our Sunday Lawn Care products. Now it'll be easier to get it out and get it on the lawn. You are a subscriber. Yeah, you, you okay? I just we started sure. la- we started last spring, okay. and you could see the uh, you could see the difference immediately. So we're excited to, to get ahead of it now that spring's here. I know, I know, I know, I know. The last thing anyone needs is another complicated or toxic lawn product. It's not that Sunday isn't just another lawn care product. It's a customized lawn plan that works with nature. Actually, you just go to their website, you type in your address, and they will do a free lawn analysis for you right then and there. And what's so great is as they do this for you, what I loved when I first did it is just they they actually put my, my lawn in terms of a tennis court, which was just a great little put down. And I was excited to get on board to know that my lawn, which I was going to invest so it's much like time Wimbledon? in. Yeah. Yeah. The grass service of Wimbledon. <laughs> okay, yeah. Great. No center court is not, I believe half, a, half the size of an official court. Maybe I'm on one of the kids secondary courts in the background. Okay. Uh, this was actually my first time getting serious about lawn care. And one of the reasons I was looking forward to it is the year before I made the mistake of putting out a big bag of something. And when we came back from a weekend away, I had burned the majority of our lawn. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not embarrassed to admit that the real reason I want this is to try and make my neighbors jealous. Actually, when I first put this down and one of my neighbors who used to listen to the show heard about that, he saw my lawn and actually moved away. So now I've got a new neighbor <laughs> to try and get this uh, to try and get this going. 
All right. So Sunday explains exactly what you get and why. What's so great is they give you a little list as to when to apply the, the first dressing. And all you have to do is attach this to your hose, turn it on, it takes less than 15 minutes. And they'll give you the time frame as to when to do the second round of that. Because again, they give you a bag. Um, and all you have to do is, is, is water. Uh, and this doesn't take up your entire day, less than 15 minutes. And it really, really works. Let Sunday take the guesswork out of growing a greener, more beautiful lawn this spring. Visit GetSunday.com slash Tony to get $20 off your custom lawn plan at checkout. That's $20 off your custom plan at GetSunday.com slash Tony. Use the code, people. Use the code. Good read, Michael. Thanks, Dad. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This comes from Glenn Burgitz and Alan Green, who are the members of Norwegian Soft Kitten. And Glenn writes, the first place to ever play Norwegian Soft Kitten was the Tony Kornheiser Show. We used that fact in contacting radio stations across North America about our first single, Ohio Dreams, which you played. We ended up picking up airplay on stations across the U.S. and Canada. So thanks a million for getting the ball rolling for us. We've now released a second single, Expensive Hobby, from our album. If you're interested in giving it a listen and considering it for the show, here's the link to our media page. Of course we are. It's lovely. Michael, if people like Norwegian Soft Kitten or Brett Wiskens, who played this in earlier, if they want to send their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. And you can, by the way, you can listen to this in its entirety without me babbling at some point. <laughs> All right. Steve Sands joins us now. He was at the golf tournament yesterday in Florida, in Bradenton, Florida, at the concession. He was not out in California when Tiger had his accident, but you're in the golf world. And so we want to devote ourselves a little bit to Tiger here. Wilbon and I talked about this during his segment. The players, the range in age of players, including Phil Mickelson and Annika Sorenstam, who wore red and black yesterday at a v variety of venues. What did you make of that, Steve? Oh, it was an incredible tribute, uh, I thought, to, you know, look, most of the people who play golf now at the highest level, whether it's an LPGA Tour player or a PGA Tour player, Tony, they probably had Tiger posters on their wall. He was their hero. Yeah. He was yeah. the icon. He was the inspiration uh, for them to go into golf as opposed to perhaps other sports or do other things in life. And uh, I thought it was really touching. I thought it was really nice. Um, and I think it's important to remember you're not honoring uh, somebody, you know, it's not, he did not pass away. He was in a car accident. I think it was a nice tribute. I think it was something that was nice to have uh, Tiger understand that they were uh, thinking about him while they were competing. Uh, and I thought it was the correct gesture as well. He is always in that Sunday red uh, and black pants. And I, I thought it was really cool for them to do it. And I thought it was all uh, very cool for all of them to acknowledge uh, that they were going to do it and why they did it. Not all Nike guys. Phil Mickelson, not a Nike guy, and Phil Mickelson, a rival. When Phil did it, I thought that was great. What did you think of that? I thought that was awesome. I mean, Phil is the one who has gotten beaten up the most by Tiger in his career. He's the second best player of his generation. And the only reason he's not the first is because he happened to be born uh, around the Tiger era. And I thought that rivals big time rivals tony do they get along uh, as well as you know best friends no they do no. not but i think in the sense of competition 
Um, I think there was a lot of respect there, and I thought uh, that was very cool. I don't know if that would have happened 15 or 20 years ago, uh, but as we age, we do tend to get more mellow and things get to be uh, in more in a better perspective, let's put it that way. So I thought Phil doing that was a, was a touch of class. You are in the golf world. I imagine that the conversation of Tiger is is great as people wonder about him. To the best of your knowledge from the NBC people, what is his condition now physically? Well, I think I, I don't know his exact condition, um, but I do know that he is recovering well. Uh, he was stable enough to move from one hospital to Cedar sinai which is where in Southern California, which is where you want to be in a situation that he is in. But he has multiple fractures. Um, he has severe, severe injuries uh, to his lower legs. And from what I understand from uh, people who I know in that field, as far as the orthopedic surgeon field, um, the ankle uh, is perhaps the biggest issue. As long as it's, it, people are making it analogous to the Alex Smith injuries. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and, and it, and they are, uh, we don't know exactly what the injuries are, but it seems like they are analogous to the Alex Smith injuries. Do you think of the bone popping out and, and that kind of thing, as long as there is no infection, which is what Alex had, because when you break the surface and you have broken bones, you're talking about dirt and debris and lots of things getting inside there, causing some serious problems if you happen to get infected. So if that procedure was done correctly, and it seemingly has been, and everything goes smoothly there, the bigger issue as far as him athletically and being able to walk normally and those types of things is the, is the ankle. And that right ankle is pretty beaten up right now. Are people, I mean... I'm not saying this in an official capacity. Are people that you talk to, the broadcasters, the players, are they talking about him playing again or are they not? Because in my mind, because of Alex Smith, I go to whether or not he can play again. I certainly do. Yeah, it's all speculation, Tony. And you know this from your days of writing and also doing what you do now on TV and with your podcast. The last thing any sportscaster or newscaster or anybody on TV, radio, print, podcast, whatever the medium is, the last thing we we should all do is speculate. Mm -hmm. The one thing you can say that is specific are the injuries he received and what the normal time frame is for someone to come back from those injuries. And then put on top of that, he's 45 years of age. He's had five back procedures. He's had other issues as far as his legs are concerned, he won the U.S. Open in 2008 at Torrey Pines on a broken leg. So he's had multiple surgeries. Will he come back and play golf? I think that the players who we spoke to who have been in contact with him all said, never count him out. He's going to come back. Whether he's going to win again, whether he's going to compete at the highest level again, who knows. But you will see him play in a PGA Tour event, in a major championship again, is what they wow. all say. And it's hard to not think that way. He, he is a supremely conditioned athlete who has the mind of someone as tough as any athlete we know of. And he has come back from so many things, personal, professional, and also uh, injury-wise. So 
if I had to put my money on whether he ever puts peg in the ground at a PGA Tour event or a major championship again, I would say yes. But whether I think he's going to be able to come back and compete against these guys as he gets older and the game gets younger with Colin Morikawa and those guys, that's, that's, a whole, that's a whole different conversation. Thank you for mentioning his back, which nobody has talked about. The impact yeah. of that crash on his back, which has been so problematic for him, nobody mentions that. They talk about injuries to his legs, but we don't know, and he may not even know, given you know if he's sitting down all the time. I mean, I, I don't know what his physical posture is, but he may not know if this affected his back, right? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you just don't know right now. It's way too early to tell. We're only six days out from the car yeah. crash. Uh, last Tuesday, and all those other procedures and all the things that he has had to endure in these six days. I will say, he had that procedure, Tony, I believe it was Wednesday, December 23rd. Either that or it was Tuesday, the 22nd of December. It was just after the, the PNC Challenge, the father-son event where he played with Charlie right. in, Orla in Orlando. His goal was he didn't play Tory Pines, didn't play at the Genesis Invitational, which funds his foundation. That was at Riviera a couple weeks ago. His goal was to play once before the Masters and then play at Augusta. So you're talking about a minor back procedure, which is what he called it, not a major back surgery like he has previously had, but a minor kind of tweak, if you will, of the current situation in his back. And that was going to put him out for at least three months. This is not minor. This is multiple injuries, severe damage to his legs uh, after a car crash uh, that was horrific. And thank goodness he's still alive. Uh, thank goodness no one else got hurt. You know, you can say thank goodness to a lot of things in that situation. So if he was only going to be out for, if he, excuse me, if he was going to be out for, you know, three months or so, for a minor back procedure, well, how long are you going to be out for something like that? It's, it's, it, it's not correct to speculate by any means, but I think he's going to be out for a while based on just three months for a minor uh, back surgery, and now you have major surgery done to your legs, which are every bit as important to the golf swing and the way he goes about his business professionally uh, and athletically uh, as he does with his back. Yeah, I will move to the tournament because you were at the tournament, obviously, and working the tournament yesterday. Colin Marikawa, I thought, won the tournament on 11 when he made a par save, and he was okay from there on. But he won that tournament. He played well enough to win on a Sunday and kept the challengers at bay. He was really, really good. So you have Wolf, although Wolf was terrible and left the tournament in one day. But you have Hovland, who was really, really good. And if Hovland didn't take a quad, he might have won the tournament as well. And Morikawa, these are three really great young players. And I guess you have to put Scheffler in that group as well, right? Well, Scheffler needs to win before he gets put in that category. Right. But yes, okay. he's a very, very good young player. It's, uh, I'll tell you where I thought Morikawa, he didn't win it on the first hole. But I was in the booth with Nota Begay early for the first two and a half hours and when the guys all started. And I remember thinking, before we went to break and came back to tee off that final group with Morikawa and Billy Horschel, I remember thinking, I wonder how Colin's going to react to this. Now, he's a major champion. He's won two other PGA Tour events. 
He's playing only in his third World Golf Championship event. 47 of the top 50 players in the world are here. It's a, it's a, it's a couple of shot lead, and I understand he's got a two-shot lead, and that's nice. But it's the first time in his career he's ever had a 54-hole lead by himself. doesn't matter what the event is, but tack on all those things I just said, there's a lot of pressure there. So he doesn't hit a good tee shot, doesn't hit a good second shot, hits a good third, and then has a knee knocker for par. If he misses that par putt at the first, who knows how squirrely it gets uh, with a kid who's in that situation basically for the very first time. He made that putt. I remember Noda looking at me when we went to commercial after that and said, that was a money four at the first. If he gets a five there, you're letting a lot of people in. And he made that four that are not playing the hole very well. So that, that showed a lot of moxie, a lot of mental strength from Colin, who is a great kid, Tony, and man, can he play. Wow. Well, Wilbon, Wilbon was saying before how much he loved the kid. And the kid, what he said about Tiger was so good. It was just oh, so man. good. Wasn't it? I mean, that was a big deal, the Tiger stuff. Yeah, I, was, I mean, he was, I'll tell you something interesting. And this has happened to you, I'm sure, thousands of times, Tony. But, so you're on live TV and you do your interview and then you, you kind of walk away and you're thinking, wow, that was an emotional interview. I didn't think it was going to get that emotional. He right. cried there because he talked about his grandfather, grandfather. Uh, passing yeah. away a month ago, not because of the whole tiger thing. And it was a buildup to that. I didn't realize he was going to go there with the grandfather thing. So he gets upset. He kind of walks away, wipes his eyes and kind of looks at me, we're off camera, and he kind of looks at me, he goes, dude, you made me cry. <laughs> I'm like, like, I didn't mean to, man, I was just asking a question. I, I go, I didn't, I didn't know you were going to go there with your grandfather. He goes, yeah, he goes, that really got me choked up. And he goes, I was thinking about him all day long. I said, it's, it's amazing to me. And then he walked away, and I said, congratulations. And he walked away. You know what's amazing to me, Tony? The best athletes in the world, doesn't matter whether it's an individual sport or it's a team sport, they have the ability to compartmentalize and to kind of ease their way through the competition, whatever the sport may be, for him to be sitting there trying to win an event like that in a tight race, then he stretches it out a little bit coming down the stretch there. You talked about the 11th hole, has that three-shot lead, and he's sitting there thinking about his grandfather the whole time while trying to finish off a big win on the PGA Tour. It's impressive. He's only 24 years of old, 24 years of age, Tony. He is a really, really impressive young man. That made him millions of fans, by the way. What he said about Tiger oh, yeah. and his grandfather made him millions of fans. So if you made him cry, you helped us. You helped him. I mean, people like him. <laughs> well, well, no, people like him. People like him well, as a result of that. It's human. There's, there's, no, there's it's human. no question. People like him. It's human. Uh, and you know what that message he said is so true, Tony. It's one thing to you know, give a eulogy and say all these great things when someone is no longer alive. Do it when so they're say, alive. Say yeah. thank you. Say I love you. You know, tell someone how you feel while they're alive. It's way more impactful uh, than it is when you're just saying it in a eulogy. And he's only 24 years of age and he's saying those kinds of things, Tony. That's, that's big boy stuff. That's grown-up stuff. So good for him. His message was loud and clear. I hope everybody... I got a chance to hear it. It was uh, it was very touching. I thought what he said was a hundred percent correct. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Not thank good. you. Can I can I spend thirty seconds on something, Tony? You got to go. Yes. No. Go ahead. All right. You've got you had two children. They got their driver's licenses. All right. Yes. Our youngest just got his driver's license. All right. A couple <laughs> weeks ago. Right. 
we, we live in a, a tan house, okay? It's, it just sits there. It's a tan house. The house doesn't move. Cars move. People move. The dog moves. But the house just sits there. Just as you called this morning to come on your show, our youngest son came running back in the house. Mom, Dad. Oh, boy. We go back out. We are now three for three in the sand. He hit the house. All he hit three the... of our sons have backed out of the garage <laughs> and hit the house. <laughs> three for three. Ryan, yeah. Scott, and Eric. Three for okay. three, Tony. That is why That's... car insurance for young teenage boys is so expensive. It's a Fantastic. tan house that doesn't move. Don't hit the house. <laughs> Don't hit the house. And I'm supposed to sit there and just be very calm and say, yeah, it's okay. That's why we have insurance. No. Don't hit the house, fellas. That's all. That's all Steve I Steve Sands, you. boys and girls, thank you. Give our best to Val or Vicky, <laughs> as the president called her. Give <laughs> Vicky our best. The table with Uncle Benny. My goodness. <laughs> Steve Vicky Sands, kids. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, we will come back. We'll do email and a jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. It's a great story. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Michelob Ultra read. In sports, if you think joy only happens after you win, think again. Look at the world's most successful athletes. They don't spend all their days grinding away. They take the time to enjoy themselves, like having a Michelob Ultra with friends. Because they know that happiness is the key to winning and that joy is the whole game, not just the end game. In my life as a sports writer and somebody on television, I can think of two teams that exemplified this more than others. And I don't want you to get the wrong impression because to be a professional athlete means you have to work very, very hard at it. You're in an extraordinarily narrow slice of accomplishment when you reach the pros. But having fun is important as well. I would give you two. I would give you the 2019 Nats, who every time they hit a home run, danced in the dugout. And when they danced in the dugout, the camera stayed on them. And it made all of us who rooted for the team very happy. And there was a sidebar to that. If Adam Eaton or Howie Kendrick were involved in a play that resulted in a run, they sat next to each other on the bench, and they did a power shift as if they were driving a car. And that, too, gave them great joy and gave us as viewers great joy. The obvious other example is the 85 Bears, maybe the greatest single-season team in the NFL when they put together the Super Bowl shuffle, and everyone went, oh, my God, you can't do that. That's going to jinx you. You've got to keep your nose to the grindstone. But no, they were the best team ever. They went through the playoffs something like 91 to 10, and even Wilbon knows how good they were, and I don't get angry when he says it. So that is the great joy that you can take from sports. Michelob Ultra. 95 calories, 2.6 grams of carbs. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag, got your email faxes and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag, gonna read some for all your folks. Hey, Tony! Come on, come on! Mail now, baby. Hot pink hangover. I love that. Can't it always reminds of me of 10 Things I Hate About You. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the movie? Oh, the, it just seems uh, like sure. a high school scene. I like it. All right, do the Bethesda Bagel ad, please, Nigel. 
Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. Nigel is quoting Elton John today. Captain Fantastic, raised and regimented, hardly a hero, just someone his mother might know. Very clearly a case for cornflakes and classics. Two teas both with sugar, please, in the back of an alley. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Steve Sands. Thanks to our sponsors, Solo Stove, Sunday, Michelob Ultra Pure Gold. Remember that you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review from John Lyle with DC Water, who has helped me before. I was filled with dread even before I hit play on Friday's podcast. Mr. Tony is complaining about his water bill again. In fact, the entire show is titled The Water Bill. This can't be good. But wait, what's that? It's not us. He's directing his venom at a different utility, the one that provides water to one of his other homes, apparently even when he's not there. (laughs) I feel your pain, Rehoboth Beach. I tried to call to warn you, but I got your machine. From Dale Talbert, I heard on your show the other day of your love for Larry Brown, and since he went to UNC, your attention to Tar Heel basketball. I'm working on a book that Larry Brown is going to write the forward for concerning a history of North Carolina basketball. Will you be interested in me sending you a portion of the book and maybe having you comment on it? That would be great. Dale Talbert. Dale, if you're listening, I'd love to see what Larry writes. I never thought of Larry as a writer. You know what I'm saying? I'd like to see that. Brent and I would get a kick out of that. From Zach Drescher in Kensington, Maryland. I heard you got an email from the course director at Rocky Gap. I've been there. I can't recommend it highly enough. I found it by chance driving back from a COVID-friendly vacation in Pennsylvania with the woman to whom I'm related by marriage and the dog to whom I'm related by ownership. The lake was a gorgeous shade of blue framed by dramatic mountains and abundant forests. The benches and tables were clean. The walking path was scenic. And there was even a playground where Bootsy and the Hammer could run wild. This is the part where I confess I did not set foot in either the casino or the golf course. In fact, we bypassed the resort altogether and made for the Maryland State Park next door. You see, us littles don't have ESPN salaries to gamble away or complimentary payday bars to eat on the eighth tee. No, it's the simple life for us. Tying suitcases to the roof rack of our Subaru hybrids and dropping change in the collection box to park by the water and eat lunches we made for ourselves that morning. Tuna salad, extra mayo. From Travis Menifee in Chesapeake, Virginia. Thank you, Michael, for your reference to the Tennyson poem, Ulysses. It is wonderful to have such a bright individual instantly express themselves by using the words of another. In today's pandemic world, I find myself at home teaching, guiding my children as they, the boys aged nine and seven, third and first grade, learn remotely. On many occasions in the past year, I have frustrated myself with attempting to answer the age-old question of why does any of this school stuff matter? Your ability to make the connection of Ulysses and Tiger brought a deeper understanding to the conversation, both reflection and the future, who he is to himself and who he is to the rest of the world. My third grader had just been introduced to poetry. He's been struggling with why a poem means more and doesn't say just what it means. Your connection between the real and the contrived Wednesday was excellent timing for me. I do not know if my son will remember the 30 seconds I played for him of you speaking about Ulysses. I do know it gave me a way to show how to apply what we learn in school, even poetry, in life and in conversation. And P.S. Hi, Jonathan. That's um, Travis's brother. Thank you for being part of the Connective Tissue. It's a lovely email. Wow. I thought you'd Can't believe that's serious. From Nick Cadillac uh, in St. Clairsville, Ohio. After hearing Michael quote from Ulysses, this is just to yeah. bring you down a little bit. Thank you. I immediately thought of the great Alan Sherman song, Hello Mudda, Hello Father. <laughs> All the counselors hate the waiters, and the lake has alligators, and the head coach wants no sissies, so he reads to us from something called Ulysses. I'm forced to wonder if you had a similar experience at Camp Kiuma. 
<laughs> Did you instill these Ulysses quotes into Michael, which he probably now uses to motivate his golf team? Thanks for always keeping me entertained with the wonder banter and stories. I think he's referring to Joyce. I didn't have that one. That's a different one, yes. <laughs> Tim from Flemington, New Jersey. Tim Kazicki. I looked up Casper Baby Pants as suggested uh, by Michael during the mailbag segment. I can't bring myself to download my Flea Has Dogs because of the grammatical error over and over in the chorus. My flea has dogs, he don't know it's wrong. My wife says get over it. Kid cartoons are replete with speech problems and grammatical errors. Practically half the Looney Tunes characters have missing S, stuttering problem, or a lisp. I thought if maybe an English major told me to give up and just download the stupid song, I could do it. Please don't look for and find what we are assuredly at least five grammatical errors in the email. Any kids' songs Michael can recommend? We like Domingo the Flamingo and the Disappointing Pancake. We had a $2,000 water bill once. Eventually it was forgiven. Same story. One, you must have a leak. Two, you don't have a leak. Three, turns out it doesn't look like you're operating a laundromat in your basement. Four, okay, we'll replace your meter. Fight the power, Mr. Tony. Do you want to recommend a song? I'm, st I'm still taking Rex myself. We, uh, we are through the Daniel Tiger phase. We are very much still in Go Pete Go. So no, we're, we're, we're all ears. Although Liz, I tried the Casper song. She made me turn it off. Andrew Vogel in Spokane, Washington. Now that Michael has reached his Peloton milestone, I have to ask, when will we be hearing about Michael's 100th pony ride? Aracolians, <laughs> uh, uh, Detroit. Mr. Tony, your troubles with your water bill in Rehoboth remind me of an issue a friend of mine had with his heating bill about 15 years ago. Although this was no accident, let me explain. 15 years ago, I was a groomsman in the wedding of my two of my best friends. During the wedding reception, us groomsmen, most likely under the influence of a few libations, Thought it would be funny if we pulled a prank on the newly married couple. One groomsman stole the key to their house, went over during the reception, and cranked the thermostat up to 90 degrees. <laughs> Why? We figured a hot house would help them getting, get over any wedding night jitters they might have. Little did we know, however, that after the reception, they didn't go back to their house. They went to a hotel near the airport when they left the next morning for a two-week honeymoon in Hawaii with no way for us to get into their house. It sat vacant with a thermostat cranked on 90 for two weeks. When they got home, the heat was unbearable in their house. There was a stench that emanated throughout and wallpaper had started peeling off their wall. Then came the absurd heating bill from the gas company. He went through many of the same avenues that had been mentioned by other littles with no luck. Finally, we fessed up to what we did and split the bill five ways between the groomsmen and the wedding party. Moral of the story, maybe it's not a clerical error. Maybe you just have fools for friends. And one more from Thomas Benjamin, again about Michael. I am also part of the Peloton 100 Ride Club, and last year I received a T-shirt for my 100th ride. Like many people, I'm in much better shape now that I've been exercising in the morning. I ordered a size XL for my shirt, looking for something a bit boggy to exercise in and proudly wore my shirt on my next ride. I then washed and dried my T-shirt, and now it fits my petite five-foot-one-inch girlfriend perfectly. When I put on the shirt, I look like I'm wearing children's clothing. Suffice to say that the shirts shrink more than I could have imagined, so order wisely. Drying rack. Oh, one more. We've got to do this from Charlie Burtz in Springfield. We have two cats. Though our water bills have remained consistent, we do find that our pillboxes have often become fantastic toys. <laughs> Just this morning, we found our medications batted around the kitchen floor with a few pills missing. While the fish oil will no doubt aid the kitties in their lower cholesterol quests, the reduced ADHD and erectile dysfunction concerns may be ultimately less appreciated. <laughs> Try explaining that to your doctor, water boy. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Later, he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it, and, and boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> I 